Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is July the 20th, 2022. This is episode 2000, I'm sorry, 3,127 of the Survival Podcast. I'm bringing back a guest I had on before, Michael Whistler. He, uh, he was on before to talk about permaculture and being a polymath. We definitely talked about both of those things today. But we're going to talk about flow today and how that relates to permaculture. But we're going to talk about flow more than anything else. This ended up being a much deeper intellectual conversation than I had planned. I thought we were going to talk much more about garden design and things like that. But this was cool because I was in the mood for this podcast today. This was... Uh, This was a great episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. We'll get to it in just a minute. Before we do, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is JM Bullion. You guys know I am a Bitcoin bull, but I'm still a silver bull, and I am a gold bull. And I am bullish on gold and silver as asset protection. And that's what I've always taught. I've taught that since 2008 when I started. I think I had my first question on stacking silver about like episode eight or something like that. And I said then what I say now. Probably about 5% of your net worth should be held in precious metals, silver and or gold, your choice. And that is your full net worth value. Now, if you want to go higher than that, you can. But I think 5% is a good hedge. And not really a hedge against inflation, a hedge against catastrophe. So a lot of times people ask me, but you know, why not silver or gold? Why Bitcoin? Why not both? Right. If you're doing it, this is the thing people say. Well, I don't have enough money for. If you're doing it in percentages of your net wealth, you have enough money for everything based on those percentages. So I, I really recommend you use JM Bullion. I told you guys last week we finally had one of the rare problems with JM Bullion. Somebody over there, an employee, made a decision that was the wrong decision. It took me a weekend to get a hold of Michael. There was a miscommunication. The second he found out about it, it was corrected. That is why I will not take any of these other uh, precious metal houses. I won't. If I can't talk to the, the guy in charge, I don't do business with the company. That's why I've been doing business with Jam Bullion for nine years now, and you can trust them with your precious metal order. Next up today, BulkAmmo.com, another long-term sponsor. I think like eight years we've been working with Bulk Ammo. All the common calibers, everything you're looking for, lightning-fast shipping right to your door. New listeners might be like, what? Wait. I can order ammo in the mail. Yeah, you can't order a gun. It's not the 1960s. Sears doesn't sell them out of the catalog anymore. You do have to provide ID. But yeah, you can order ammo right to your front door. It gets there so fast. You're like, what the, what, what, what the hell is that? Hit your ammo, dude. And that way you don't have to go deal with the people in the box stores that think they know about guns and don't. You get the ammo bulk, bulk delivered, great price, great shipping, and a discount. If you're an MSB member on both sponsors today, do discounts. With that... Uh, before I bring on our special guest, I, I want to tell you guys about something I'm doing as a discount. I'm doing a sale. Uh, my birthday is coming. And people always ask me, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm running a sale in honor of my birthday to get something this year. And it's not the money. I'm going to read the write-up I did on this for you guys today. And I already put this out. 
and it is about, well, we're going to monetize some trolls. So here's what I wrote up today, and uh, if you are not yet an MSB member, you can become one and help me gain this thing. You'll hear it about the middle of this. And if you are, you could even, I don't know, buy a membership for your imaginary friend or use a Boostagram or you'll hear it all. Trolls are everywhere lately. Every live stream feed we do is full of them. There are multiple imposter accounts sniping people in YouTube accounts saying, it's me, Jack, contact me on WhatsApp, folks. Jack doesn't do that. And he doesn't even have a WhatsApp account. I'm pretty sure my latest in on YouTube, in YouTube prison is a troll reporting it for medical misinformation. Considering it was over two weeks old when I got tossed in a gulag again, the truth is like light. Trolls are afraid of it. We have scumbags on Instagram like this prick here, and there's a link if you want to see this account, that's not me. About a hundred of you have reported this prick to Instagram as a fake account. Instagram clearly does not care about its users. It has me thinking of just leaving Instagram. Everywhere I turn, there's a troll and an imposter. It is the world of being known online. It comes in waves. In 2015, I was ready to hunt some of these people down and remove their back teeth with a pair of vice grips. Then it ebbed out to tolerable levels. As always, it comes and it goes. So I'm doing this post for two reasons. First, just so you are aware of this crap. I know at least one person was suckered into sending Bitcoin to one of these assholes on YouTube. Second, to live up to one of my jackisms. I monetize trolls. My birthday's coming up in August. You always get asked, what do you want for your birthday? Usually I'm like, nothing, please. I don't need anything. But I want something this year, something you can't really buy. But you can help me create it. What do I want? In a word, satisfaction. So I want these people to know that are doing these things to hurt me and slander me that their actions have actually benefited me instead. I want to monetize these scumbags. So the discount for this sale is what? You guessed it, troll. So what does it get you? 30 bucks a year for the MSB, which is usually $50 a year. And people pay that every single day. It also applies to renewals as long as you don't cancel your account and you can join the MSB here. You guys just go to the survivalpodcast.com forward slash members. If this sounds good to you and you want to buy one for like your brother, your friend, your dog, the name of your own troll, you can. I'm going to go on air when this ends and let you guys know how well these trolls were monetized. Just make sure if you do get an account for a third party, say your imaginary friend, you cancel the auto renewal after signing up, assuming you want to anyway. If you have any issues canceling, just email me and say you need it, and I will take care of it. Give me your username, or your troll's username, or your dog's username, or whatever it is. You can join the MSB here. But I'm not done yet. If you use the Fountain app or any of the Podcasting 2.0 apps like Breeze or Curocaster and don't want a membership or already have one, and just want to dogpile on the trolls, send me a boostagram with any message you want. Just make the first word TROLL in all caps. I will read these on air, likely a few times a week as they come in until troll season ends. If you do this, please also send me an email with TSPC in the subject line and a copy of your message so I don't miss any of them. Troll tears are delicious after all. Wait, there's a troll season? Any time is a good time to hunt trolls. There's no closed season on trolls themselves, but there is a season for this opportunity. It is July 20th, that would be today, 
through August 7th, and my birthday lands inside those dates. So join the MSB today and help me get satisfaction. Or send a boostergram and a message with it for the air, and back it up with an email just in case. If you prefer to send lightning, lightning directly, you can use the QR code at tiplightning.com, and then send me an email with TSPC Troll in the subject line with your message. If you want to send on-chain Bitcoin, send me an email, and I'll generate an address for that and send it back to you. Again, put TSPC Troll in the subject line. P.S. I should not have to tell anyone this by now, but my email is jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. So that's what I want for my birthday. If you've gotten a lot out of the show and you want to exchange value for value, please do so. And do it in honor of these trolls. These trolls that come into our live chats, they try to derail them. They always want to talk about their conspiracy theories, which I don't even mind, but it has nothing to do with the episode. But the same guy comes back with fake accounts over and over and over again. People that are insulting me, calling me Bitcoin Bob, as though that's an insult, but whatever. I believe in monetizing trolls. I believe in it so much that sooner or later there will be a t-shirt that says I monetize trolls. And I will show, throw out props right now to John Willis at SOE Tactical Gear, who never used the term monetized trolls, but he taught me how to do it. He just didn't come up and coin the phrase. Anyway, with that, let's kind of, seriously, it's a great deal. 30 bucks a, a year for MSB. And again, something like the Start9 server. Uh, if you got a Start9 server and $30 MSB, it would pay for your, like the, the cheapest one would pay for your membership for like four years when it's on sale like this. So consider becoming a member and wish me a happy birthday and stomp on the trolls. With that, let's drop on into the live feed today. And we are live. And with that, I am uh, welcoming, actually re-welcoming, because he's been here before, Mike Whistler from Easy Peasy Gardens to the Survival Podcast. We're going to talk about making permaculture cool with flow. I'm going to call it flow theory. And I'm sure we'll get into some of uh, discussion of our old friends when it comes to permaculture design today, of strategy, strategy, tactics, and techniques, because I think that will apply to flow theory, even though I've not ever discussed this with you before. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to remind everybody out there, whenever you're seeing anything – uh, like like this video, and there's anything down in those comments, and somebody claiming to be me and saying, hey, get with me on WhatsApp or something, it's not me. I've got plenty of uh, jerks on Instagram right now following, like putting up fake accounts, following my people back, claiming to be me. They're looking to scam people. I know one person already did get scammed out of some Bitcoin. I'll never do that. I have to. It sucks, but I have to put that disclaimer in every single live feed video I do. Uh, yeah. So sorry, sorry to, to burden you with that, Mike. But uh, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. It's good to be back. This is new, the whole live stream thing, you know. It's yeah, cool. I, I've got maybe six months of doing it in earnest now, and I really enjoy it. Like I was telling you offline before we started, it kind of sucks that we're not on YouTube Live because that's where the most engagement is, and it's. I think it's mainly because Streamyard actually connects to the YouTube comments and they it brings them in, but it also puts them back out. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, if I, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, like I said, it's like to be expected. I mean, but it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah. Right. I yeah. dared speak the truth again, but I will get that. <laughs> let's, let's start out with who, who is Mike Whistler? Well, uh, just kind of normal Midwestern guy, I guess. But, uh, I guess I'll start by saying this week I'm a exceptionally proud Hoosier. Um, 
you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are well aware of what happened in Greenwood this week. And that's just about 10 miles from me. Um, have you heard about this, Jack? The, the shooter that was put down in 15 seconds flat. I did. Yeah. Not what I thought we'd be talking about. In well, I don't want to you know, dwell okay. on it forever, but it, it is the survival podcast, man. And it's local news for me. Like, so it hit home big time. And I'm just proud to say that like the last two major um, events like this, there was a hero that saved the day both times. Like uh, there was a guy up in Noblesville in 2018. He stopped a school shooter. He was a teacher. Uh, I believe ex-military, maybe a Marine, but he stopped a school shooter by hurling a basketball at him and tackling him and tackling him to the ground, like distracting him with the ball, tackling him to the ground. So I'm just feeling like Hoosiers can handle their shit these days, man. And and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it because I think, uh, you know, these, these shootings are just a reality that we have to deal with. And the more people that are willing to be that guy, um, the better, right? See, see, it's so great to see a guy with hippie hair and an easy peasy <laughs> garden shirt. Yeah, man. Like that. And I find there's more, more of them. I, I'm like a hippie with short hair, I guess. But. Well, I always liked you calling yourself a redneck hippie duck farmer, man. It's like, I totally vibe with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, let's move into like what you, you have this, this company, Easy Easy Gardens. Mm-hmm. And, so what is that company? What is kind of the philosophy of Easy Peasy Garden Solutions? In essence, I build raised bed vegetable gardens, um, occasionally like berry patches, backyard orchards. Uh, I offer a membership program, which is kind of what I believe is the core of the business, uh, where I go out, I maintain the gardens, I fertilize, I weed, I kind of provide consultation services about once a month throughout the season. You know, and I make it very clear, this is your garden. I'm just here to help. Um, you know, I don't want to be fully responsible for somebody else's garden, but a lot of folks are just kind of nervous to get started, don't know kind of where to begin. So I kind of help them just get that ball rolling with a couple simple, you know, edible landscaping elements. And I help them kind of get their feet wet. And I find that over time you can start with, one raised bed and before you know it three or four years later you've got a full-blown you know suburban homestead almost um so that's the essence of the of the business eventually i want to expand to being sort of a um i want to connect local gardeners with local homeowners to help them do these kind of same projects um via an online service but that's still a ways down the road um well, yeah, and then I also host the Easy Peasy podcast where I talk about, you know, whatever the hell I feel like. <laughs> um, yeah, I try to I try to be about simple solutions to complex problems, right? As we talked about the last time I was here, you know, I yeah. I call myself a polymath, which I I really struggled with whether or not I should because it's a little bit of a bold claim. Um, but truthfully, I'm I'm just trying to be a polymath, and so I think we discussed that last time you were here, and we said, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes people like if you say you're a polymath, you're like Michelangelo or Ben Franklin, and like right. I, the way I compare it is the martial arts. Like I am a martial artist. I'm not Gracie. Mm-hmm. I'm not Chuck mm-hmm. Norris. I'm damn sure not Bruce Lee. Right. Yeah. That doesn't mean yeah. I'm not a martial artist. I think a polymath comes in degrees, and yeah, when you can do a lot of things well, I think that kind of starts to meet the definition. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of seemingly unconnected things. Well, 
Like, I don't know that they're as unconnected as people think, and I think that's part of where this conversation is going to go today. But yeah, you know, well, as as we said, breeding and, uh, and and gardening don't seem to be connected, but they could be. And I sure think the more be. you draw the connections, the more you move in the direction of polymath. Well, as per that example, I want to get a 3D printer just to plant really cool, like one of a kind tags for my gardens, right? Okay. You know, just something with the logo and, you know, a nice kind of script, uh, cause my handwriting sucks right now. I just use a, you know, a paint pen and a little tag and it's perfectly functional, but I want to, you know, I like the little sweet touches, but yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess for those that didn't hear the last time I was on, it's been, a little while now. I mean, I, I actually had to look it up. It, the funny thing was, it was right at the beginning. I think it was in the fort, uh, what the two weeks to flatten the curve, you know? I think oh, okay. It was, yeah. I think it was right there, man. And, um, either that or right before it. But basically we talked about how all a polymath is, is someone who uses diverse knowledge and skills to solve problems, right? It's really right. not, you don't have to be some kind of, you know, savant, you just have to be like a well-rounded person. Well, yeah. Like Franklin was, you know, a constant polymath, but in his poor Richard's almanac, he had a saying, a master of all, a a jack of all trades and a master of none. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if he was speaking of himself, it'd be more like a jack of all trades and a master of some, some, or maybe a few. And that's, I, I think that's what really makes a person able to add value and solve problems today is you come really, really good at a few things, mm-hmm. but proficient at many things. And if you think about it, like our grandparents, they were all freaking polymaths. My, you know, my, my grandfather could fix a, a, a boat engine with a pair of pliers and, and a screwdriver, no matter what. It's short of like a, a cracked freaking piston or rod, right? Like mm-hmm. didn't matter. Like he was going to get it running because we were in the middle of a freaking river and he had to. And But then he could go home and frame a window and then, you know, grow a garden and then he knew more about coal mining than I ever cared to in my life. And like, that's that generation. They did everything. The only thing I think they didn't know how to do was, uh, was interior walls because all those old houses, you start pulling the paneling down and then there's the same kind of paneling in a different color. And there's like four layers of panel and are just like nailed up. Like, I guess they were tired. They're like, this is the, the wife complained that we need a new look. And they just like went and got some paneling and threw it up. Other than that, they could do anything. Yeah, I knew a maintenance guy at a campground, uh, like a, well, like a kid's camp, I should say, like summer camp. And he used to, well, he used to just say good enough for who it's for, (laughs) (laughs) which sometimes like as a polymath, you just got to get it, you know, get it fixed for now, you know, like whatever it takes, just get it done. Um, it doesn't have to be the prettiest thing, but no, I, 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 I still like on my podcast, that's a central theme of kind of like, how do we solve these really complex problems? Um, how do we draw from different disciplines, different skill sets uh, to address the world that we're in now? Yeah. So we're here to talk about flow today. Mm-hmm. So what, in, in, especially in regards to permaculture, what is flow and how ca- can someone learn to use it and why should they? Well, I think flow has to do with everything. Um, and I guess in some ways, so does permaculture design, or at least it should. So they're very intertwined. I believe flow, I mean, in as few words as possible, it is where challenge meets skill. Okay. Okay. And it's where we are at our peak performance. Okay. And I have a, I have a visual, um, 
that might help. Now okay. I know we're we're on audio, so I'll try to like just. No, that's it. all right. They can look it up. Yeah, yeah. So and this this graph, I did not come up with this graph. Um, the idea of flow theory, I guess before we before we go oh, visual, me. there you go. So before we go visual, I'll read you one quick thing. Uh, flow theory was kind of developed by this uh, positive psychologist, and his name I'll butcher it, but I believe it's. Mihai Cheesneck Mihai, and I'm not sure where that comes from. No, um, no, if you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Who cares? But he he kind of came up with this idea, and I'll just read this real quick. Um, so it says, the mystique of rock climbing is climbing. You get to the top of a rock, glad it's over, but really wish it would go on forever. The justification of climbing is climbing, like the justification of poetry is writing. You don't conquer anything except things in yourself. The act of writing justifies poetry. Climbing is the same. Recognizing that you are in flow. The purpose of the flow is to keep on flowing. Not looking for a peak or a utopia, but staying in the flow. It is not a moving up, but a continuous flowing. You move up to keep flow, to keep the flow going. There is no possible reason for climbing except the climbing itself. It is a self-communication. Okay. And I like that. It's a little long. I apologize. But the idea is like flow is being in the zone and everybody knows what that feels like. You're in flow. You're just killing it, right? You're kicking ass. You're not even hardly thinking. You're just executing, right? So this graph, I, I find it to be useful. Let's see here. There you go, right there. Is that good? Yep. Let me uh, readjust. Okay. So we have, you know, our two axes. This is going to be tricky with the mirror image thing. I'll yeah, have to just look don't, at don't look at the screen when you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so we have skill. This is our okay. our vertical axis. Our horizontal axis is challenge. Okay. And we have this bar called flow. Okay. Now above the bar, we got a little something called depression. All right. Okay. I apologize for the handwriting, but you'll get the picture. I see why you want to do your labels with 3D printing. <laughs> yeah. So below the flow channel, we have anxiety. And the okay. whole idea is when your skill exceeds the challenge, you are depressed. Okay. When the challenge exceeds your skill, you're anxious. Okay. Right? And so I've done a few of these now. For, for those who are not watching. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'll go through it quick. But okay. the idea is you start as a dot at the apex of the graph, right? And okay. this is what I call the average American. <laughs> so for those who don't see the, the visual, it just basically means you're all over the band. You're, you're, you're pinging at the top and bottom of the band constantly. You're oscillating between depression and anxiety, right? This now, is too hard. This is not hard enough. This is too hard. This is not hard enough, right? Yeah, and almost choosing to be constantly anxious and depressed by not by not gaining skills, okay? Now, this here I call depression. For the listeners, it's a little bit of a wave that then pops up into the depression zone at the top of the graph and just kind of spirals around, and you really don't gain any – you don't challenge yourself. You know, I kind of – in, in you're good at here. some stuff. You're good at some shit, but yep. you don't ever do new stuff, and you don't ever mm -hmm. stretch the things you're good at to try to be great. Hell, so it, this might be bored. 
this might be the guy that's addicted to video games. Okay. You get really fucking good at that video game, right? Yeah. But you're not really challenging yourself. You're not moving forward in life. This next one I call uh, mania or paranoia. Okay. Basically, you drop down into anxiety. You stay in anxiety. You constantly have no choice but to gain some skills and to increase your challenge. But you constantly are in that state of paranoia, you know, stress. And I think this is, you know, I think that a lot of mental illness comes down to people not being able to channel into flow, right? And, you know, I've kind of illustrated a few different, like, lifelines, if you will, but I don't even know that I'll show them. I just think that the healthy human is in flow more often than not. And I think as children, we're naturally caught in a near perpetual state of flow um, until we learn otherwise, if you will. See, you know, it makes me wonder, like, see, I'm not a golfer, but I, I've had a mm -hmm. lot of friends that, like, they are addicted to golf. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe one of the reasons people get addicted to golf, it's the ultimate flow. Like, it's one way to get there, yeah. You expect to suck. Like, so there's no anxiety with not being better. There is no such thing as a person that goes out and shoots 18 hole-in-ones. So you're never, you're never at a last for challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It involves absolutely nobody else. You can be in a tournament or whatever, but in the end, one of the reasons that golf and any other sport, even darts, right, is challenging. There's no way to get into a rhythm, right? So if I'm playing tennis, even if I suck, at some point, as long as I'm not playing some really badass tennis player, there's a rhythm to the game because I have an opponent. Mm -hmm. Where it's, if it's golf, if it's darts, if it's archery, I'm there. There's me. If it's archery, it's the bow, the arrow, and the target. Mm. And I'm never going to always group all my arrows on top of each other like Robin. So I think like activities like that, I think that's why you see people get into them and they, they become a passion for them because it is always this attempt to do better with a complete acceptance that I'm not, I'm not always going to be great at this. And that's, that, I, I would have never even thought about that until we had this discussion. Well, I like, I like that you brought up golf because I just recently, I, I made like a couple memes about, um, <laughs> John Daly. Do you know the name John Daly? I, I know the name in my head somewhere. You know, he's one of these pro golfers who's kind of eccentric. Okay. He's very overweight. He smokes, like he chain smokes on the golf course. Um, you know, people have kind of, he's almost like a uh, Hunter S. Thompson-esque character, but in golf and like okay. not as hardcore, like political, just real funny. Not quite happy Gilmore, but not your average golfer. Super eccentric. You know, somebody basically tracked what he consumes on the golf course. It was like, it was like 21 um, cigarettes, like 14 Diet Cokes, eight packs of peanut M&Ms, and he is one of the best golfers there has ever been. He's okay. super overweight, but he I, I, I made these memes basically calling him one of my heroes just because he's, he's one of these guys that he's got these quotes, and I can tell what he's really talking about is flow theory. Um, you know, he's got one where it's like if the Scottish drank faster – um, golf would only be 14 holes and I would have 76 masters, meaning that he, he almost always is ahead at, at like 14 holes. Okay. 
but then you know he might lose it at some point. Like he loses yeah. the flow. He probably because he's few less uh, uh, caffeinated cokes, right? Probably yeah. he probably yeah. like peaks out and like crashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's kind of making fun of himself in that way. But he he's a character, right? And I think professional athletes at like a gut level, uh, pretty much all just know what flow is about. Yeah. You know, if you're not on, you you know, it's like a boxer that goes into the ring that's not all pumped up. Yeah, shoot, man, I was a little nervous coming on this show. So what did I do? I did some jumping jacks. I did some burpees, some push-ups, a little bit of shadow boxing, kind of get myself a little pumped up. And uh, and here we are, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you, every day when I'm getting ready to do the show, especially when it's a live stream, so I have mm-hmm. a finite moment that I have to start. Mm-hmm. It'll be about 30 minutes before it, and I'm, do, I'm multitasking my ass off. And I actually get jittery as though I've drank a bunch of coffee, but it's yeah. not. I don't drink that much coffee anymore. And so about 30 minutes before I start, I get up no matter what, and I just take a walk. Yep. yep. And it's not because I'm nervous. I mean, I've been doing this since 08. I've got probably 20,000 hours of podcasting now. So it's not it's not a nervous issue. It's just that you're mm-hmm. in the state of, like, i got to get all this shit done. i got to get all this shit done. And you need to, like, snap out of that so that you can shift and do this other thing that is – you know, this, this part of what I do is totally different than every other piece of what I do to get this one thing done. So I think maybe podcasting is polymath. If you're a one man podcaster, you might be a polymath just to do a freaking show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you have to get in the flow or people won't want to listen. Frankly. You know, that's, that's maybe what it is. That it's not, it's not that I'm not in flow at that point. I'm in the wrong flow. Yes. I'm in the announcing, you know, copywriting, working on a second website, mm-hmm. playing with my node flow, all the technical shit. And I have to go out of that flow and out of, there's a creative piece to that, but into a totally different kind of creative flow, right? I've always done that with speaking too. Like, you know, I would just like, like you said, get physically active, bounce around like a boxer or something like that backstage before I came out to do a keynote or something. Mm-hmm. And people would probably look at me and go, that guy's nuts. No, it's a process. You know, it's, it's just a, you know what it is? It's so different than what you were just doing that it breaks it. And then I can go into this new persona sort of type of thing. So I read earlier, you know, I always have to kind of like re up on my flow knowledge when I'm going to try to talk about it. I don't want to sound like I'm just, you know, bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> so apparently yeah, some, some folks have said there's four types. There's environmental flow, psychological flow, um, creative flow and workflow, I believe is what it was. And so you were in a workflow and you needed to shift into like more of a psychological slash creative flow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I, even if it's the same thing, it's the same, but different man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In sure. the words of Tommy Sean. Um, um, there's, I was just going to say there's, there's sort of these symptoms that you can be aware of that help yeah. you identify it. And, um, you know, a few of them are sort of that, 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 instantaneous decision-making, you know, when you're engrossed in a conversation and you're not thinking about what you're saying, you're just saying it um, yeah. when you're, when you're, yeah. Right. So there's sort of this alteration of time, um, perception. You know, a lot of times you say like it all happened so fast or like it felt like it went on forever, but it was over in an instant kind of thing. Like, yeah. Oh my God, we've been talking for so long. I didn't even realize it. You know, it's that, it's that sort of feeling that you get. And, uh, so I, I think you can train yourself to get there, uh, truthfully, by recognizing what it feels like. Great. Um, how does one know when they're in a flow state, right? 
I suppose I just addressed that a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think to come at it from a different angle, you know, you're there if you're if you're challenging yourself to some extent. You know, there's varying degrees of that, but I don't think you can be in flow if you're not in some way being challenged, right? right. Um, so, I, you know, this is something I harp on on my show about, which is like, I think people choose not to challenge themselves. They they get comfortable, they, they get competent at something, and then they cease to, you know, sort of pursue challenge. And it's it's just a gateway to depression, you know, using that graph. Like, you can just see how if you cease to move forward and diagonally, uh, you kind of either get stuck up here or down here, but you have to constantly be challenged. Uh, and I, you know, I see that the happiest folks in their sort of twilight years are the ones that still do stuff, right. That still, even if it's, you know, fishing a couple days a week and like working on little projects around the house, they're, they're moving around, they're doing something, you know, even like knitting, um, you know, doing these complex patterns. I, I think that, that's a really cool way that, that people achieve flow. You get in this rhythm where you're not really thinking about the pattern, but you're doing it, you know, and it's a pretty complex thing. If you ever watch somebody, you know, knit or crochet, it's, it's pretty, yeah. pretty cool. How, how would you d- maybe define like hitting a peak of performance and how that applies to flow? Cause here's, here's what I mean. I, when I was young and used to go to bars and stuff, I used to play darts and I used to practice like all the time, a dartboard at home. And it was one of the, again, it's like golf. It's you, the dart, and the board. There is nothing else. You can't blame anybody else. It's yeah. it's all you. And there were rare times where I was like, if I could stay in this mode, I could go make money playing darts. Mm. Like I felt like my hand was a nail gun with sights on it. And if I was throwing a bull, I could look at the bull, and, and the bullseye looked freaking about half the size of the board. And I didn't just hit it. I could hit dead center. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes later, I'm back to my, you know, I was a good dart player, but nothing like that. And to me, I don't think that's necessarily exceeding your graph into the point of depression. I, maybe if you stayed there, it would become boring. You'd have to go do something else. But, like, there is this point in a flow where you hit, like, this almost like a mystical state. Like, you are beyond your own. Like, I know I'm not that good. And I also know that right now this isn't luck that I'm doing this intentionally because I can feel it before it happens and then it goes away. How, how would you describe that? I think you, um, you are that good. That's the point. Okay. You can be that good, right? Like right. I, I play a little bit of guitar. I'm not, I'm not all that good, but occasionally when I'm in the right state of mind, I'm comfortable, I'm relaxed. You know, I can just play and it's really like, I, I can impress myself at times, but it, it's hard to do. Um, you know, certain things are just very, very challenging. Hitting the bullseye of a dartboard is hard. You know, Robin Hooding an arrow with a, you know, you know, splicing one arrow with another. That's incredibly difficult. But some people reach that level where they're so competent, they just do it. And I, I'll, I'll show this. I, I, I labeled this graph ideal. Okay. This is the ideal human sort of life. Okay. And let's see. So I've got basically it's a person who's almost entirely in flow, right? Early childhood, you're just you're you're in flow. You go a little bit bored and a little bit anxious, but very rarely. Late childhood, you start experiencing a little anxiety and whatnot. You know, early adulthood, I, you know, I believe like this low point in anxiety is what we call adolescence. You know, teenagers, puberty, yeah, right. 
and maybe you can, that's a, that's an, uh, a place that people often spiral down into, you know, either anxiety or up into depression. Yeah. It's an extreme time. But then in early adulthood, we're kind of in this point where we're challenged more than we're, you know, able to relax, so to speak. So we're towards the bottom. Again, this is ideal. It's like maybe you, you challenge yourself to the point of crossing into anxiety because that's where you learn the most truthfully. So you yeah. do that almost by choice. And then middle adulthood, you maybe start getting a little bit, a little bit bored of, you know, what you're doing. You've, you've reached a level of competence and you're not, you know, you might cease to challenge yourself too much. But then I kind of have this belief that a healthy human realizes that they're getting bored as they head towards say retirement and they seek out something that allows them to stay in flow almost constantly. That's and the think, guy that never touched a wrench in his life and buys a classic car and learns everything about cars. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I work I like my guy. buddy Chris Prater that like he got into everything as he hit that age where he was like, he wanted, like he needed repairs done as air conditioner and he needed Freon. So he went and got a HVAC certification just, just so he could work on his own AC like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he needed a challenge to stay he sane. To do. Yeah. He needed something to do. Yeah. He didn't want to be bored. You know, it's as simple as that. That's interesting. But I think in, in terms of the dart and when you're in that moment of extreme flow, you're basically resonating. You're just, you're, you're, you're on this vibrational level right in the center, you know, peak performance in that flow channel. And it's a hard thing to stay in, but like I said, we can train ourselves to do it more and more. And that's sort of what separates the person that can, that can Robin Hood the arrow and the person that's, you know, relatively accurate, right? Yeah. Um, so what that makes me think of is there's a book that I'm very fond of. You may have heard me recommend it over the years. It has nothing to do with permaculture. Well, I guess everything has something to do with permaculture, but it's not a prepper book at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it is called uh, Illusions, uh, Confessions of a Reluctant Messiah. It's by an author named Richard Mock. It's, it's semi-autobiographical because all the interactions <laughs> with this mystical figure, of course, never happened other than in his head, which is kind of the point of the book. Um, but he actually <laughs> in the book, which is he basically flew around the Midwest back in the like late sixties, early seventies with a biplane landed, like with land in a field, go talk to the farmer and say, can I fly people out of your field for uh, a couple days? And he camp under his wings and he fly people for like three bucks. You got like to go up in a plane, come around and land. Right. Sure. Sure. And he, he invented this story in his head. And in his story is this guy named Donald and Donald's like, uh, what would Jesus be like if he came back today? Hmm. And in one scene, they go to like a, a hardware store, but like a like an old hardware store, like I grew up going into, where it goes back forever, and it's it's like Walmart before Walmart, but it's really a hardware store. Yeah. And he finds this little guitar and he picks it up and he starts playing it, and it's just beautiful. And Richard's looking for some parts for the plane. He comes around the corner and he sees Donald playing the guitar. And he he when they leave, he's like, I I didn't know that you could play a guitar. He goes, I never played one before, but what did you expect? Right. And then, it, you know, basically, if, if, if that's who you are, then you would be able to talk to anybody in any language, pick up any instrument, play it. And Richard said, I don't think I could ever play, play the guitar anywhere near that well. And Don's response is, if you won't give yourself permission, then you never will. Mm. And he's like, you already know how to do it. The only difference between me and you is I gave myself permission to do it. I don't know if that's completely true, but I think there's there's tons of stuff that's not absolutely true, but there's massive amount of truth in it. Yeah, well, it's like with a person that's capable of an incredible thing, say, 
a completely untrained 22 year old yeah. in a, in a mall, in a mall food court who puts eight rounds out of 10 into, you know, a violent, the size of the fist, right? Yeah. Well, he, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. He, okay. Two center mass, apparently yeah. eight total hits out of 10 shots yeah. from about 30 or 40 yards is what, yeah. What the With the guy running away, once he started get, receiving fire, like that's, and that's pretty impressive. And I believe it's, Partly because he was having a massive adrenaline rush. I agree. Um, and he was able to go into this high state of flow. And I mean, we'll get a little bit maybe spiritual here, but I believe that's God working through somebody, you know, sort of touching a person that doesn't necessarily have the skill outright on a day to day basis, but does have the capability at heart or, you know, at, at a, I agree with that. I kind of explain it differently. It's them touching God. Mm. So Mm. there's this access to everything and we have this ability to access everything. And I don't care, you know, what religion you come from or what you, how you define God as a deist. I define God as like a singularity of all thought and consciousness. Right. And we have access to that. And you might be Christian and define it as the Trinity and the Holy spirit or whatever. I don't care. I still think it works that in the right state, we can reach out, we can access that. Mm-hmm. And we can do things, and that's where people say it's like a superhuman feed or something like that. And I think it's just that that knowledge is there, mm-hmm. and it's think of it like the internet of all, mm-hmm. but it's wired into your head like some type of cyborg type Elon Musk transhumanist crap. But it's real. I'd almost, I'd almost say ancestral memory. Right. That, I think that plays into it as well. Like, so if it is a singularity of all consciousness and thought, it's all consciousness and thought in the past, mm-hmm. the present, and the future as we understand them. And I, I, I totally didn't think we would have this conversation today, but I'm really glad we are. Well, it's like, funny. I'm, I'm just thinking we're not talking about guards at all yet. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. But, uh, I almost wonder if there's members. I feel of like your, Joe Rogan uh, right now. Ha. Yeah. I was talking like, to Randall Carlson or something. Knowing, knowing your, your audience a little bit. I bet some people are like, man, this guy is some kind of hippie. It's like, well, yeah, sure, man. Sure, man. But I also carry this snubby 38 special. Like, yeah, you know, like, and, uh, I mean, I, I, I kept talking about, um, self-reliance festival and I went to another, um, festival down in Texas called Childerberg and how I just see that there's this, um, the word I was using convergence, right? There's this convergence and it's like, who cares where you're coming from? I don't care if you're a cowboy, hippie, you know, left, right, center, who gives a shit if you're, if you're about a, you know, if you're about a solution, we can work together. I and, love uh, this bar by Toby Keith is becoming a reality, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. The hippies. Well, there's the other one. Um, what is it? David Allen Coe or something. The hippies oh, yeah. And the Cowboys, the hippies just trying to get out of here alive or some yeah. shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so why do you think people have such a hard time staying in flow? I mean, it's obviously a much more comfortable state. Yeah, it's almost, um, you know, ecstasy. It's almost like a natural form of ecstasy. And I think people find cheap ways of achieving some amount, right? Like you can kind of get into flow by, like I said, playing video games or watching television, you know, reading is flow. Um, you know, there's ways to do it where you're not, you're not doing anything too awful challenging, but you're, you're, stimulating your, your brain, your, you know, to read is a challenge, you know, at any age. Um, but I think people, like I said, have this addiction to comfort in our culture 
and they kind of get in this groove where, you know, let's not call it a groove. I like grooves. I hate ruts, right? People get caught in a rut where they're just like going through the motions. Like I said, kind of oscillating between anxiety and depression because, you know, you go to work eight, 10 hours a day. You're, you're kind of in this anxious zone. You're, you're afraid of your boss or, you know, you're afraid to talk to that one client that's unhappy or whatever it is. And then you go home and you intentionally drop into boredom via television or what have you, social media. And it's a cheap way to get into a, I don't know, just a lesser form of flow, right? A lesser form. You know, that's interesting because that almost makes the case for coming home and playing a, a round of whatever the hell people play. I can't even think of it, a Call of Duty or something, right? Mm. If you stopped. So I don't, it, you know, you can crap on it, but I don't see how it's that much different than me taking a walk mm-hmm. or bouncing around like Rocky Balboa before a public thing if it stops. So they're in one sort of flow with their job. Either they like it or they don't, but it's either a bad flow or a good flow, but that you're in one right. mode. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to get a bunch of shit done in the house or I'm going to go out and work in my garden. But maybe there needs to be that off switch. Let's, let's shut this one off and move into this world. That's like when, when I used to do corporate work, you know, I would come home and I would dutifully kiss my wife and go out the back door with a beer or something and water the garden. And I'm like, I don't want to be the guy I just spent 14 hours being that I had to be in that environment. I don't want to be that man with my wife for one second longer than is absolutely necessary. Like I wanted to cut that off. I watch a show about like professional wrestlers and it's, it's all fake, but it is character acting and it's a, it's actually pretty impressive athletic acting, right? Highly physical. And And, and uh, I was watching a documentary on uh, macho man savage. Uh And he said that when he came off the road, he would actually stay at a hotel for a day or two to at switch. home yeah. before he went home. So he wasn't in that, that mindset. I think Hogan said that too. Like, like there were times where he's just like, I'm just too like in this false persona and I can't go be with my kids and be this person. Well, it's, it's the shadow side. It's the shadow side. And I think it's neither good nor bad. It, it depends. It all depends. And the fact that it was the eighties and they were all on blow didn't help either. <laughs> well, so I'm thinking about things like drugs and alcohol and combat right now, right? People achieve flow in combat. If they don't go into a full blown panic, they, you know, there's people that are addicted to combat to the point where they become what's called a war tourist, right? These guys that go over to Ukraine, to fight in someone else's war. And, uh, you know, you could say Hemingway was a war tourist, you know. Thank God he was also a brilliant writer, but clearly he was kind of twisted, right? And I think he was addicted to the flow of combat, just like some people get addicted to the flow of drugs or alcohol. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I you know, I smoke weed, I drink beer, but I, I try to be cognizant of the fact that in a, in a way that is a cheap, lazy way to achieve a flow state by overindulging in any one of those kinds of things. Um, did I take a little tote before we came on the air tonight to achieve some level of sort of creativity? Hell yeah. But like, I try to be very reasonable about my use of these substances because I think they can be a, they can be a bridge or they can be like a cliff, you know? I think it's like there's any of these substances have a very brief period of enhancement Mm-hmm. Which as soon as you go across it, it's nothing but a detriment to your performance, right? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And if you do perform well inebriated, it was 
you got lucky or something. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, if, a, if flow is achieved through challenge, is there ever a time to stop seeking it or should we always challenge ourselves? You know, I think challenge is the healthiest and most honest way to achieve flow, right? After, after everything we just said about how there's maybe this dark side to it, potentially this addiction side, we'll call it, um, you know, that is when you have to stop and take a look around and say, okay, what am I doing here? But as long as challenge is the focus, you're trying to achieve more than you achieved yesterday, right? I think that's the best way to do it. So no, like as you get older, like I said, I think you have to seek out ways of continuing to challenge yourself. You know, you don't have to do it in a way that's going to tax you. You do it in a way that you enjoy. You know, it's kind of like the best and easiest way to get into flow is to do a challenging activity that you also enjoy, right? Yeah. Does that answer the question? No, it it does. I I think that, like, I think maybe what it is is that we need to change what we're challenging. And then maybe at times flow is peace, right? Maybe at times flow is, like, stopping. Like, in all of this, Mm-hmm. There is the place for meditation. And I don't necessarily yeah. mean sitting with your sitting, you know, under the Bodhi tree in the lotus position with your hands up going all right. And there's many ways of, you know, formal meditation, but there's also other forms of meditation. Like if I'm out fly fishing, like that is actually not a challenge to me. And the reason it's not a challenge to me is I absolutely don't care if I catch a fish when I'm fly fishing. Mm-hmm. If I actually want to catch fish, I don't fly fish. Sure. Right. But there is that kind of metrodome-like movement, and to me, that's a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was a challenge to learn, but now it literally is like I could close my eyes, I can look over here, I can look there and see the tree, and I can see both sides of the tree, and I can be on both sides of the tree and not get the tippet in the tree. Like so, like that's an example of something I'll do. That for some people, maybe it's like taking two coins in your hand and, and flipping them around. Like it's mm-hmm. maybe it was hard to learn, but. Once you did, it's just a thing. I had a buddy who used to do this weird thing with a quarter back and forth over his hands. Yeah. And so all of those are forms of meditation. And maybe there's a time that I don't need to be challenged. But I also think that's kind of like when when I go, you know, the computer's acting a little bitchy. So mm-hmm. I'm going to shut everything down and restart it. Yeah. And so I don't know that means you really stop challenging yourself. It's like you pause the challenge. So I think, I think you're I think you're on to something. A full day without any challenge. That's what I think you start heading into that depression world. Well, maybe it's, you know, it's all about balance, right? It's, it's all about balance. And maybe the antithesis to challenge is like rest, right? Or relaxation. We'll call it relaxation because you can't, you're right. You can't be challenged constantly, but you know, it's kind of like when I've had a really busy month or whatever, I give myself three or four days to do essentially a whole lot of nothing. And, um, you know, I'll piddle around, I'll do stuff, but I, I take my time, I sleep in, I rest, right? I rest and I relax. And it's almost like when I've overdone it, I have to rest and relax longer. So there is sort of this balance. Now, I'm going to do something here with our graph that I, I think kind of applies, if you will. But, you know, this is our standard just flow graph. Let right? me get you back into large okay. mode. Okay, there you go. Standard flow graph. Now, give me just a moment. You'll see what I'm doing in a second. Okay. He's drawing for those of you that cannot see because you are on audio only. All right. So there's it's a little that one has to listen to, right? It didn't even matter. Okay. 
It's a little messy, but doesn't this graph awful, you know, look an awful lot like the yin and yang? Yes, it does. It looks exactly like the yin and yang. You know, just for shits and giggles here, right? So depression. let's say that, let's say that depression is the dark and yeah. anxiety is the light, right? And that's not, you know, let's not even use those words. Challenge and, and relaxation. Okay. Right? And the flow of your life should be this central curving line. An S curve. Yep. Ideally, you know, if you plot the lines, if we do a plot line instead of a day to day reading and we generally arc, you know, send the, you know, show the arc of your life. It's all about balance, isn't it? You know, and I think you yeah. could change, you could, you could swap out skill and challenge for spirituality and practicality or mm -hmm. any number of different things, right? Everything in Eastern philosophy is about balance. Right. right. Every, I find every, Taoism, I find yeah. Taoism pretty compelling, you know? I, I, I do as well. So how does flow? So we're supposed to be talking about permaculture today. We're 42 minutes in. How does flow? <laughs> Apply to gardening and permaculture. Well, it's that, it's that knowing what to do and when to do it, right? Which takes time, takes challenge, takes the development of skills, takes knowledge. Um, but you know, just knowing when to pick a tomato, you know, like, or fill in the blank. It's kind of like I, I have these clients, right? That have not hardly touched their garden for a month because they're nervous. Oh, they don't know what to do. And I try to empower them by, I just come in. I'm like, oh man, things are pretty, pretty messy here. You know, like no offense, but like, here, let me show you how to clean this shit up. And, uh, you know, in five minutes, I'll like just sculpt it because I'm not even thinking while I'm doing it. I'm just pruning the tomatoes and you know pulling the weeds and cleaning things here and there. And, and it's like, they just watch me with their mouth open. Like, how do you even know where, like where to cut? It's like, well, I just, I look at it, you know, and I do it. And this, this little stem has, you know, this is a sucker. It has almost no flowers on it. It's like four feet long. We don't want that snip. And like, y'all talk as I do it. And I find that people, um, like I said, it's kind of like they have this anxiety about doing the wrong thing in the garden. And it's like, you just have to work yourself up to, you got to pump yourself up, make yourself, you know, who cares if you make a mistake at some point, right? Things keep growing. And Mr. Miyagi and Daniel with the bonsai tree. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. Trust the trim, Daniel son, right? Like <laughs> pruning is one of these forms of meditation to me. I, I spent a, you know, a winter out in Utah at this historic orchard in a national park. I pruned for two months straight, right? I'd spend about 20, 30 minutes on any given, you know, apple or peach tree or whatever. And just boom, 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 boom. You know, in the first week, I probably had to take an hour per tree, you know, and progressively got better at it. And then by the end of the winter, it was like, we could just fly through the orchards getting it done. And yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah. You know, you, when you get to the point where you enjoy it, it ceases to be work. Even if you are getting paid, you know, you know, just on the pruning, uh, Mark Shepard in one of his books, he wrote about when he was a kid, he got a job working at an apple orchard. It was either Connecticut or Massachusetts. And back then they just, cause, cause Mark's old as shit. He's even older than me. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we made some pretty harsh jokes to Mark when we did a project with him. We found this old hay baler and it was laying in the field and none of us could figure out what it was. And it was like, looks what? like a torture device, doesn't it? it? It was, but it was really ancient. I mean, this thing was probably made about 1900. If that, it might've been from the 1800s when it was originally made. So we're all sitting there and he comes over and goes, y'all don't know what this is. And we're like, no. And I had like four of his interns and Nick Ferguson and, uh, two, two of my friends with me. And, um, 
he goes, it's a hay baler. And he goes, do you know how I knew that? And I said, because you're so freaking old, you used it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that, was humor, that the answer? Humor is part of all this, right? Humor mm. releases endorphins, right? I mm-hmm. think that we have to find humor in things too, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually well, derailed what, myself there because I thought of Mark, so. Well, that's okay. I was just going to say. Oh, yeah, that. no, it was the pruning, right? So, yeah. like, get this for, like, like just the, the simplest method of pruning, pruning you've ever heard. So they're all full-size apple trees. So, like, you're climbing up a ladder to prune. Right. And the old man that taught him to prune it said, you should be able to throw a cat through the branches, but it should be able to stop itself if it wants to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the sum total of the instruction he got for pruning. That's hilarious. And it's actually a pretty was, good image, yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, my grandfather told me, and I was, like, nine, so I'm, I'm younger than my grandson, you know. And he had these uh, these grapevines that were, like, 80-year-old vines, like his his – father-in-law planted them, right? Yeah. So this is a family thing that's been around forever. The, the the main stalks are, like, bigger than my forearms on these grapevines. He tells me to go prune them, and even as a kid, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to screw something up. And he said, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. But you see this main trunk here and these two main things here? Don't if you touch don't touch that. those, anything you do, the plant will fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Right? And then, like, just walked away. And I came back, I'm like, is it right? He goes, it's good enough. <laughs> and then, yeah. and wa- like watch it grow next year yeah and you'll get better and i said well why won't you teach me because i can never teach you as good as the vines can mm. and that that i mean this is from an old coal miner with like coal in his arm and shit that smoked two packs of camels a day sure sure you know but that was just like i think it was because he was always building he was a carpenter mm. and he was a gardener and basically, it was really more of a horticulturist than really a gardener, right? Because he had the other stuff as well. And he was a hunter and a fisherman. And mm-hmm. I think that keeps you so grounded to the earth that you come up with, like, he probably couldn't have come up with that shit if somebody put him on the spot. But when it was actually useful, he might have never said that before in his life. Maybe nobody ever said that to him. Yeah. Maybe he never thought about it till that moment. But in that moment, he was like, I got an answer, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's another kind of flow. Well, and it's, it's the polymath thing. It's coming up yeah. with a, with a solution to a complex problem. You're trying to teach somebody how to do something that, you know, it's not terribly complex, but it's not the simplest thing. And, you know, you no. can mess it up. Uh, so you try to boil it down to the simplest idea. You know, I, I think when I was learning how to prune, you know, I basically the person that taught me is just like start by cutting out, you know, stuff that's touching, overlapping, like pick the better side or, you know, and, you, you know, you got to somebody said basically step back, stare at the tree for two minutes, decide what you want it to look like. Yep. And then and then just do it. You know, it's not it's not that complicated. Um, yeah, I think it also comes in because as soon as I saw your topic, I started thinking this way again. I always talk to people when they're like, well, where do I put my garden? Well, where should I put swales? Where should I put a pond? You know, where should I put a water feature? Right. And like so strategy. Te- techniques. And tactics. So a swell is not a strategy. A garden is not a strategy. A strategy is I want my property to provide these things for me and to give me this sort of an aesthetic. That's what I'm looking for. Like you would define, and you might go much deeper than that, but that's top level. So if one of the goals is for you to have a decent amount of annual production, you're probably going to do some form of garden. It could be a terrace garden, it could be a keyhole garden, it could be whatever, but those are techniques, right? And then the tactic is where it goes. Mm-hmm. 
So the, the, a keyhole garden is a technique. A tactic is the keyhole garden goes here because, first of all, the strategy makes it right that we would use the, the – I've analyzed even a client. Like they're actually going to put shit down the tube for the compost tube that's in the middle of the keyhole garden. If they're not going to do that, I'm not going to put one there if I don't believe them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or when they say they want a pond, well, why? I want to grow fish and I want to eat them. Okay, do you, do you care what it looks like? Because if you care what it looks like, I might – Say, well, I need to go in your house. And like, well, what do you need to go in my house for? Well, because I want to walk around your house. And I want you to tell me when you get up in the morning where you go and what you do. And when you come at night, I want to know where you go and what you do. And I want to know where that person spends their time. And if it turns out that that person spends time reading in a certain place and there's a window, unless that's not going to fit there, I'm going to think really hard about putting that pond where when that person's in that mode, they have a visual to their pond. Mm-hmm. Not because it'll prevent something from going wrong, but because they're going to get maximum enjoyment of the aesthetic that they're looking for. Right. So like that's just a, a different way of looking at things than just, oh, this is a good depression. We can make a pond here. Sometimes you have to because when you want a pond, this is what you got. Right. Yeah. 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 You know? But like that's a way to, to kind of take a totally different look at things. And if you don't start from the strategy, what do you want in total? Mm-hmm. Then you focus on techniques and tactics as though they are the strategy. And I think from as a designer, it's very hard to be in a flow state unless you're doing that. And you might not be consciously aware, mm. right? Like the first time I picked up a gun, I could shoot. I wasn't consciously aware of sight alignment and, and head position, but I was doing it. So you can be a good designer and maybe you wouldn't even describe it that way, but it's probably what you're doing. So the way I always approach like a new potential client when I go out for a site visit, um, you know, everybody's got their ideas, right. Of what they think they want. And half the time they've already tried it. Um, <laughs> right. They put a garden someplace. Yeah. And it just didn't go well. Yeah. And so they call me and I come out and I say, okay, so like, what are your goals? Right. Strategy. Yeah. What's That's your strategy. strategy. Yeah. And they'll tell me, well, you know, we just really want you know, a handful of tomatoes, a couple peppers, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, how big are we talking? Like sort of what are you thinking in terms of budget is sort of my next question. Yeah. Cause yeah. that, that guides the design. And then I say, so where are you imagining the garden? And they'll almost always point to the very back corner, right? You've yeah. talked about this on yeah. your show. I know you all have. the time. Yeah. And, um, and I'll always kind of like smile. I'll say, you know, yeah, like a lot of people think they just kind of want it tucked away. I say, if you do that, you're not going to take care of it. I just, Flat out say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say the closer it is, the more convenient it is, the more you will have your hands in the garden. And the more you have your hands in the garden, the better the garden will be. And I say, really, we should, you know, I call it the fuzzy slipper test. I say, and maybe I got that from you. Did I get that from you? I think you got it from like one of my guests. Maybe so. More like maybe Lawton or Falk. Or maybe, or maybe I said it the last time I was on your show. I can't, I don't know where I got it, but the fuzzy slipper test. If you can walk from the kitchen to the garden in your fuzzy slippers and, you know, you're not tracking in any mulch, that's a really cool way to think of it. Straight from the deck to the stepping stones to the raised bed and back, right? And people, when I say the fuzzy slipper test, they always just melt, right? And if they don't melt and they don't go with my idea of the best you know, what'd you call it? Tactic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I pretty much know whether or not I want to work for them. I have, yeah. I have absolutely just 
passed on. Wood. I don't think I can help you here. Yeah, because if I, I always say it's like I will not build a garden. I don't believe in. I had one person in particular, the husband. They always blame it on the husband, but who yeah, really yeah. knows? Yeah, and and she says, well, we just really don't want it like where you suggested. And I, I got back to her. I said, well, where I suggested is really the only place that it's going to where it's going to work, where it's going to get enough sunlight. And, um, you know, if you tuck it under a tree line, yeah, you're getting four hours of sunlight a day. Like, I wish you the best if you change your mind. Onions and mushrooms. I suppose so. (laughs) Green onions and mushrooms, not real onions. Green, real onions have a certain sun, you know, sunlight. They're light sensitive to to tuber size, right? So, yeah. yeah. And if it's just kind of like if, if you're hiring me and you're not listening. Yeah, you're not doing that. Like, I just, I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think like there is that client analysis too. Like, where you, I just look at this person and go, if I put it over there, you're not going to take care of it. Yeah, and next thing I know, I'm going to have a bad review on yeah. Yelp or whatever the hell. You well, know? so they're almost admitting it when they're like, well, I don't want it there because it's not going to look good. Well, it's not going to look good because you're not going to take care of it because it's not going to be here. It's going to be there. Frankly, I'd right. rather have the bad review that says, hey, like this guy, you know, we met with him and we talked, and and then like he never came back or whatever. Like, well, if you I think take, about it, did I zone take any money? Based, no, like I chose not. Designed yeah. <laughs> is a flow analysis of the client, a physical flow analysis, right? So, like, sure, I want to know where that person is going to go every day. Mm. Like, and even though it's like a suburban lot or whatever, if it's that back corner, I can literally look at the lawn and go, "You don't ever go there." No, except for once a week when you cut the grass. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. like you can tell where they walk. You can. It, it, you have to be a, an excellent tracker. Especially certain times of the year, you right, can just right. go out and go, well, this guy goes over here and he goes over there and he goes over there and he doesn't go there. And he specifically wants to do this because he doesn't care what happens over there because he never goes there. Now, sometimes they have a different reason. Like they want to make sure the kid has a place to throw a football or something. I, I right. get that. But right. a lot of time it is that tuck away. And well, what, what orientation do you want? I want it this way. Why? Because it lines up with the fence. Yeah, it's like, well, you're pointing at, your analysis, right? You're pointing yeah. towards the north. I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, you know, yeah. and I think that's, you know, we're not picking on people because if they knew, they wouldn't call you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I really do. I come at it with a, I try to be like very humble, but like knowledgeable, right? Like not, yeah. I'm not laughing. I'm not like giving them crap for not knowing. I'm just like, you know, here's why we should do it here instead of there. Well, I'm not uh, paying you to not know what you're talking about. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and it is funny. Some people are just kind of, I don't know, like they, they have this idea. They refuse to budge. And I'm just like, all right, peace. Like yeah. find, find another guy that does what I do in this city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not yeah. gonna. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not well anyway. Um, you, you, when you approached me with this one, you said this would make permaculture cool. Mm-hmm. So why do we need to make permaculture cool? I think permaculture is pretty cool as it is. Well, it is. It is to us, right? It is to us. Um, you know, so what I try to do with gardening, you know, and the name even says it, right? I try to make it easy. Um, and, you know, easy isn't necessarily cool, but what it is is accessible. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, a lot of times people kind of get the bug. You know, it's like the gateway drug when they get their first little raised bed put in. They want more. And I guess um, – Man, I kind of lost the train of thought there. Remind me of the question. Why do we need to make permaculture cool? Why make it cool? Well, okay. So I kind of choose to keep my hair long. I kind of choose to have this like McConaughey vibe as people have accused you me like of. kind of a surfer from California. People say I got a California vibe. I'm like, yeah. whatever the hell that means. It's probably just because I smoke pot, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, if you're in the Midwest, right? Like, <laughs> Right, right. 
But, you know, at the same time, I'm like, I'm a diehard Hoosier. Like, I'm very relatable, even though I'm a little eccentric and a little different to your average, you know, suburbanite, right? Yeah. So I try to have this, like, this attitude of, like, this shit is rad. Like, I'm so glad y'all reached out to me, you know? Occasionally, I'll swear in front of my clients if it feels like they might get a kick out of it or something. Like, I try to be just a little bit edgy. Yeah. And, um... And I think when it comes to like making permaculture cool through flow, right? Like I, I've made the joke a bunch of times. It took, you know, I was not cool, man. I was not cool <laughs> for a long time. I was kind of like that insecure teenager that just kind of like tried to blend into the background, right? Like didn't want anybody to pick on me because I was just like kind of quiet. Like I don't know about quiet. I, you know, I've always been kind of loud, but I was like, a little bit of a goofball, but wasn't secure in my goofiness. Right. Yeah. And, and self-conscious teenagers are a dime a dozen, but like point is um, to be cool, you almost have to achieve this state of flow. I, I make the argument sometimes that I think um, like acting natural is another way of, you know, describing flow. Like animals are pretty much always in flow. If they're not, if they're not in fight or flight, yeah, they're, they're in flow. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost painful to talk to somebody who's not in flow because it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. That's it's interesting. Not, I think it's the cool. further they get from it, the more you don't want them around. Like a lot yeah. of times people will say like this, this person is a weirdo or something. What they're really saying is they're so anxious or they're so depressed that they're repellent. Exactly. Like, exactly. Because we've seen people that are just. Uh, and you have to watch the video if you want to know what I was doing there, guys. But people <laughs> are just like. You know, I, I did a show years and years ago about the Eeyores, and I was like, my buddy had lost his job, mm. and I, I thought I would kind of shake him out of it, and I took him, I was going that weekend up to my place in Arkansas, and I took him up there with me to shoot guns and drink beer and smoke cigars and, and reminisce about our time in the Army. I thought it'd be a great time. I came home. I got out of the truck. I ran inside and took a shower, and sure. it's only like a four-hour drive, and, and Dorothy's like, I guess you didn't get a shower this morning. I said, no, I did. I needed to get the funk off me. Like, it was just... It was like the like depression clinging to your body, mm-hmm. and it was all because he didn't think he'd find another job. I'm like, you're in IT and you're good. Mm-hmm. And like a week and a half later, he had a new job. Mm-hmm. Like there was literally nothing. Like he, he didn't even get his last paycheck from his old job before he had a new job. And but he was in this complete state of like just ugh. and I just like this is a like a guy I view as a brother. Mm-hmm. We served overseas together, you know. I mean, like, and I, I didn't want to be near him, mm-hmm. you know. I and I think there is that. When pe- the further people move from that band you're talking about, the more, and then that that's a a, a self fulfilling prophecy. So the depressed person who worries they're going to be alone ends up being alone. Mm-hmm. The nervous person thinking that nobody likes them ends up making people not like them, mm-hmm. right? And then they'll cover it with, well, I'm an introvert or I'm a type B or whatever label we put on it. But I mean, I've seen a lot of people say they're introverts. They'll be at one of my workshops and I'll talk to them and they'll chill out. And then you find out this guy knows a bunch about something like 3D printing. So he said, I had this problem and he starts talking. Next thing you know, like a circle forms around him because he's talking about something he's interested in and he has no idea even there. And then people start asking him questions. Now, if he was truly introverted the way people mean that when they say it, I I don't say not all people, but the people that use it as a shield, right? Mm -hmm. Then he would like, oh, wait, all these people are talking to me. And next thing you know, like he's drawing shit out. He's on a whiteboard. And like all of a sudden you've got this like master instructor in something that supposedly 10 minutes ago couldn't talk to people. Right, right. But he got out of that state and he got into a a state where he's comfortable. But yet 
his challenge at that point isn't how is this done? He knows exactly how it's done. How do I make this dummy who doesn't understand it understand it? Because teaching is a challenge. If you're actually, if you're not conditioning memorization, if you're actually teaching something, <laughs> the person, the person right, you're right. teaching doesn't know but wants to know and has not yet been able to absorb for themselves. Yeah, that's a challenge because it's like, well, what do? I, how do I have to phrase it? How do I have to come at? You say it in the most basic way possible, and it doesn't go in. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, wait a minute. What's an analogy I can use? And it's that's a state of flow too, because like you'll see the like click, and that person's eyes open, and they start explaining it back to you, and you're like, yeah, that's it, and that's yeah. incredibly rewarding. And I think that's I think that's how you know when you're in flow, you get reward. And I don't mean somebody hands you jelly beans. Mm-hmm. I mean you get kind of an endorphin kick, and it's not like an endorphin kick when you you know beat somebody up in social media. It's a very positive type of an endorphin kick. Yeah. You know, my mom always wanted me to be a teacher, right? That's what she claimed or whatever. And I, I always rejected anybody wanting any, you know, wanting me to do anything I didn't want to do, period. Sure. The story side, you know, whatever, mom, I do whatever I want to do. I'm not going to be some school teacher. Like, fuck the schools. Even as a, you know, before <laughs> I was an anarchist, like when I was just a yeah. sophomore in high school, I'm like looking around. And honestly, like, Jack, I'm no smarter than the average bear. Like, but I could see that it was all bullshit. Like it just irritated me. I'm like, why am I trapped here for eight hours a day? Like I hate this. And most of my teachers are dumb as fuck, you know, (laughs) pardon my French. But even back then I was kind of like, I just, I could never be a teacher in the school system. Like no way, Jose. And, and it turns out like, Hey, there's a million different ways to be a teacher. And like, I dig teaching. You know, I've been a tour guide. I've, I've been a camp counselor. I'm a, you know, podcaster doing the consulting, you know, the garden stuff, it's all teaching and it's, it's doing it on my terms. And it's, it's actually the most rewarding thing. I think. Yeah. Way, way more rewarding than like growing the food itself is showing the person how to, you know, gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, tell us what easy peasy garden, uh, actually easy peasy podcast is all about. You've got your own podcast, you know, you can tell. When you bring somebody out that has their own podcast, you can look at their gear and their setup. And you can see they got their own podcast. So now yeah. you've joined the Brotherhood of Podcasting, right? Adding to right. the polymath repertoire. What, what what is it all about? Is it all about this kind of stuff? I mean, yeah, I, I tend to stay more in the philosophical realm, I guess, if you if you could say that. Like, but I try to be. I don't know. I go back and forth, kind of like you. Like, there's more practical shows than others. But what I really like doing, you know. I like bringing on guests, probably two thirds of my shows. There's a guest, um, interviewing, you know, various different types of people, oftentimes just kind of man on the street, like random people that I happen to meet, um, which is fun. I, I really try to, somebody, somebody told me recently that it's almost like Joe Rogan's show, except for the common man. Okay. Will. So like I interview random folks that I just meet on the sidewalk out in front of the bar. Oh, so you're like out drinking and shit. Yeah, yeah. I've done probably 10 or 12 episodes from my my go-to pub, right? And um, they're some of my best episodes with some of the most interesting folks. And um, so it's, it's I try to channel my flow, right? Like I'm not going out of my way, truthfully, to record many of these episodes. It's kind of like when I meet somebody that intrigues me, it's like, hey, can can I run to the truck real quick and get my – my handheld, right. And, and record this. Cause I think you might have something interesting to say. So it's very, um, organic, spontaneous, but I try to put out at least two episodes a week. 
Um, the sort of tagline, I, I think I might have said earlier, it's solving life's complex problems with simple solutions. Um, yeah, and I, I just love doing it. Like, it's not like I'm making any money at it, really, uh, although I would love to. Um, just I'm, I'm about a year you know, a year into doing it, I've got 87 or 88 episodes and, uh, it's just been, it's been fun. Like I love talking to cool people. So it really is no skin off my back, but if anybody, you know, out there listening, if you want to check it out, yeah, it's easy peasy podcast. That's one word, no space between easy and peasy. Um, and it's, you know, the pea pod, that's what you want to look for. But I, you know, I bet you there's a good amount of folks in your audience that would really enjoy it. At least some of my episodes. Sure. Uh, I always tell people it's like, it's not linear. There's no, there's no plot line between episodes. Like just look through them, see what, you know, kind of calls out to you is interesting and, and check it out. You know, I've done everything from reading my own poetry. I've, I've interviewed musician friends of mine. I just did one recently with a, with a bluegrass band that was playing at the pub and, talk to them for a while. Uh, so it's not all like permaculture stuff. It's not all super, you know, heady philo- you know, philosophy, but I try to get average folks to give me their philosophy a little bit at a time, if you will. You know, so you got at least one new sub because there he is right there on the screen, Ron Cole saying, Sweet. I would ask this, are you in the podcast index for the podcasting 2.0 stuff? I believe so. I did check on that. Um, I've started listening to No Agenda a lot. Okay. I love those guys. So you're um, probably in there. Yeah, I think so. And you probably have people sub to you. Mm-hmm. And then they're probably sending like boostergrams and shit. And it's probably all going to No Agenda or what the podcast index, right? Huh. So you totally should get the Fountain app. Everybody's like, okay. he's, he's chilling for Fountain again. They're not a sponsor. I, mean, I can't even get them the hell on the show because uh, they're too busy. And there's some buddy stuff that, like, I'm kind of glad you're busy, right? Um, yeah. But let me tell you why. Because you said about making money. And you could make a little bit of money with, with people boosting and stuff. But this is, as a podcaster, because yesterday I was in flow. And I was in flow all day. And I got so much shit done yesterday. Uh you were so off. in the flow. You were so in the flow. Your email was half completed <laughs> that yeah. you sent to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like I had to like redo the email because I was so doing so many things at once, and yeah, most yeah, of them yeah. were going great. And like so, yesterday, so I went. It took me forever to get Guy Swan on for for Bitcoin stuff and uh, Brian Harrington and all. So yesterday, I had a guest on about running lightning nodes. We got much deeper, and uh, we came up with this idea for like like things that lightning should be doing, but it's not doing it. And one was like a Waze app, but mm. instead of Waze tracking your data and selling it, like when I see a cop and I report it and like 80 people go past that cop and don't speed that those people can say, Oh, the person that, that gave that information, I'm going to send him 500 sats. Yeah. 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 Here's a demonetizing the state's road piracy by monetizing everybody ratting the cops out. Love it. And, and Love I'm like, it. and I've got like this whole list. I've been working on doing a show by myself. So I'm like, you know what? I want to get like a panel discussion on this because having other views. So I like in five minutes, I had Harrington and Swan agree through Twitter DMs while I was emailing you, which is why I didn't have the link. Mm-hmm. And I was closing a deal that I won't go into that basically is my web guy managing another guy's pocket. Like I did all that shit in 20 minutes, like wrote down and then made like two other appointments for follow up mm-hmm. in 20 minutes. And while that's going on, I got this boostagram. So when people tip you 
or give you value for value because Adam Curry, who created this, hates the word tips, right? He just hates it. It's sure. Bad. I hate them too. I hate tips. I really don't like tips. Right. I'd rather so, say donation than tip, you know? Yeah, right. So, like, yeah. oh, he'll get really pissed if you call it a donation, man. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll go all freaking Tourette's Curry if you do that. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking through my boostergrams while this is going on, and I get this boostergram, and it was from a rewind I did called Getting the Life You Want So You Can Live It. Mm-hmm. This is sold. It was originally the 203rd episode, and I rewound it on Monday because I had this like rough freaking weekend in a good way. Like we drank all the whiskey, sure, we ate sure, all the food. I had a, a guy I, I got a dog from uh, from a company called Fortress Canine. We did a barter deal, oh, and so cool. he got to come here and be spoiled. And he gave us one of his dogs, and then he got that whole period of time like on and off from consulting in his business. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't know if maybe that also helped, kind of like. I feel like crap on Monday, but I got a lot of stuff done anyway. But I also went into that mode for that five-day period that I used to do professionally, but I hated it back then. Mm. And so while all that's going on, I get this boostergram for like, it was probably 500 sats before the splits happened. TNT mom said, thank you for your words on unsolicited advice. I wish my husband and I would have heard this when it was originally released, but it was very timely today. I clipped that section and sent it to my husband saying every time his dad lays into him, he needs to listen to the clip. Criticism from his dad has crushed him, and his dad certainly acts like he has the burden to always fix whatever he thinks went wrong. Following dad's advice made him miserable, and it's mm-hmm. time to live our dream, not not his dad's. Mm-hmm. So this woman, who probably never edited a piece of audio in her life mm-hmm. because of the way the app works, was able to go, oh, I clip, click some text, hit save, Send it to her husband so he had it like when, you, when you're hearing this kind of crap and you forget, listen to this, mm-hmm. and send me some value, which was 30 cents or something, right? But all that happened in seconds, and I get that in the middle of this. Like when I got done, like I, I worked till 730 last night, and the reason I quit is like I have to be with my wife, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And like so this kind of thing I think has to do with rebooting. But also, that's my, my pitch to you. Get your ass in, and use fountain, fountain to manage. You, you said fountain, fountain, huh? Specifically, fountain. that's that's the fountain. way to go. It doesn't matter what you use. Yeah. It's just really freaking easy with fountain for you. Okay. You basically go set up an account. You look up your podcast. You say you, you, there's a little lightning bolt. The people hit the boost. And if I hit it right now, if you're in there, mm-hmm. it'll be like they're not set up for it. Right? Yeah. And then – but if it's you, it'll say claim your podcast. So claim your podcast. You put your email in that's registered to your feed, which is probably the admin on your blog. Mm-hmm. You get a link. You click a link. Boom, it's your podcast. And at that point, anybody that listens to it can stream you Satoshis. They can send you boosts. You can start interacting with your fans because, like, I, I can interact with that. People can make clips. You can make clips. Mm-hmm. People can share clips. Like, that, that's gonna- what got my mind going on, like, the Waze app. I'm like, we, this, this is, this is going to eat everything. And the reason I'm pushing it right now is like, so if Waze does that, no one can catch them. But they probably won't yet. So like all these exciting startups, like they either need to act now or when when the big companies already have this huge head start and install base decide to do it, they, mm-hmm. they can turn that out in two months, right? Like and, and be way better than a beta platform. But get if you're a podcaster, brother, you gotta be in this. Okay, I'll, I'll get on it as soon as we're done here. I think I will. Yeah. Think about what what that really what that meant. I'm like, as a podcaster, it ain't about money. You live for that. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, it's a golden moment. That's that bullseye you couldn't miss, right? When you right. get I've, that. You know, I've I've been I've been just over the moon a couple times because I get these emails from folks and like my listenership is pretty pretty modest at this point, but I've got some dedicated listeners, man, and and I I've gotten a couple emails that were just like almost you know heart wrenching, man, of just people yeah. that are. It's like yeah, I mean I won't give any specifics, but people are like hungry for for authentic like conversations that are geared towards actually making things better instead of just bitching and moaning about it. Right. And that's, I try to stay in that positive space with my show. Like same with you, like solutions oriented. I won't ignore what's happening, the problem, but like, we're not going to just bitch and moan. We're going to, we're going to get at solutions. Um, but yeah, I'll check out fountain. I guess I've got a quick question for you. You're in there, dude, but just look right there on the screen. Drag life, right? You are on your, so you're in the index. All you got to okay. do is download the app and claim your show. Yeah. I'll do that as soon as we're done. Yeah. Anyway, I'll tell you, I was going to, you know, I was just going to ask you like, so my mission is to develop, like I said, almost this um, interface for putting, you know, garden contractors with homeowners who are interested in gardening. I really want to develop an online design template for homeowners to kind of like play around with and design their own gardens. Yeah. Um, you know, my only question for you would be sort of, if you were me, what would your, what, what would your first step or two be to making that a reality? So I would just accept that if somebody was using something like that, that they would never be as good as if I was standing there. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, if I had to do this without actually being where they are, what would I build for myself? Because that would not be as good as you being there, just the other way around. And I would build that tool for them. Well, so I guess my point is I'm, it, I have a very big idea of what easy peasy online might look like. Okay. I think sort of ordering pre-designed gardens or making custom designs okay. and doing a little bit of negotiation, you know, a little negotiation. I almost have described it as like Uber meets gardening, but with bidding for jobs. Yeah, sort okay. of comp- competition between contractors to to so it's like it's like a niche version of Angie's List. Sort of, kind of, yeah, yeah. So and, you uh, have this group of like landscapers, installers, whatever in the area. You guys do the design, hand it off to them, and they do the work. Precisely, um, sort of call it a call it a networking app at its core, like connecting yeah. the, the contractor to the person that needs the work done, but. Always remaining sort of permaculture garden focused. You know, it could it's like be- a franchise without the franchise restrictions. The, the challenge is always that like, so even in franchises, like your franchisees go off and they do whatever they want. You know, right. you're at McDonald's in West Virginia and they're offering you pepperoni rolls. And if the mothership finds out, they're in trouble. I, I'm not sure because that, so my expertise is in running like technology and communications and things like that. I actually hate running people because people yeah. have their own ideas. <laughs> right. So like I would, I, it, what would I do? I wouldn't build that. No, That's I want to, I want to hire somebody to build that. Yeah. 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 Well, you need, to, you need to hire somebody with a better answer than I had. Yeah. Right? Well, you basically told me what I figured you'd say, like outsource, yeah. like, like, hire yeah. a hire a web developer right yeah yeah of course that takes money and that's that's basically yeah. my next hurdle is just money man but i have a whole lot of steam i'm I'm pretty stoked right now jack I'm yeah to be honest with you i think you know i think there's a lot of opportunity right now as you as you've said many times yeah 
I mean, and it might be the case as far as, you know, if you want to do this for mission sake, that's one thing. But if it's for financial gain, you might be far more better off by marketing the shit out of yourself, mm-hmm. remembering that the, the, the most powerful answer in the world or the most powerful word in sales and marketing is no. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, I'll travel if you can afford me. Yeah, I've actually got one client who uh, I'll just say is a professional athlete, and they yeah. just recently they just recently got traded down to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I said I probably said too much already, but they they're talking about maybe hiring me to come down there and build their garden for them. So you only need one of those. You yeah. only need one of those. Yep. <laughs> right. Like once you have one of those, and you can start approaching that level of client. Well, who have you done? And we'll just you know. I'll, I'll throw out like I'm old as shit, so like you know, what would impress me would be like Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana hired me to do his gardens. Yep. Okay. Funny thing was, I didn't even know who the guy was. I'm, I'm like talking to him. Yeah. And uh, you know, sure, he kind of looks. You know, he's he's a tall, tall guy. He, he looks like an athlete. He lo- yeah. well, sort of, but like pretty pretty skinny actually. He's a basketball yeah. player. I'll just I'll just oh, that, cut yeah. to the chase. Basketball player, and I just I had no my head didn't even go there. I didn't even go there. I just figured he was a successful businessman, you know, nice house, but not, but not, not an outrageously nice house. And, um, I built him a garden there, you know, after I had already done the job, I'm just chatting with him and, you know, what do you do for work or whatever? He's like, well, you didn't, you didn't know, like, like I got yeah. no idea. Like, well, he's, you know, I play basketball or whatever. It's like, no kidding. But, uh, it's just funny. I think they always appreciated. I, I just treated him like anybody else. Ain't no other. Ain't no different than any other client. Um, yeah, I do kind of, I cater to the upper class, you know, the people I can make real money off of. Otherwise, yeah. it, it's not sustainable. So eventually I'd love to be involved in more. You know, I've done a couple, but community garden development, uh, organizing that kind of stuff. Um, but I'll tell you, honestly, before I think I do the uh, online easy peasy platform. Yeah. I want to build a campground, brother. I want to, I want to create a space for people like us to hang out in. So I think that's a lot easier to nut and bolts and, and monetize, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like get more cash build, flow. Yeah. With what you love doing, I would build like a, uh, a short term rental tiny house community full of permaculture gardens. Well, I'll tell you what I'm thinking is actually catering. That's, that's a real estate development and you can get capital for a real estate development. And the worst thing that happens if it fails, is you lose you lose the real estate development that you didn't have before, right? Before, right? right? So like, well, he lost everything. No, he lost the thing he never had, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Now if you start would, leveraging properties against each other, you can get yourself into trouble. But if you're if you're going in on one and like I'm going to build one, and then I get a cash flow out of that and another one, and you you build it up over time, like, please boy, that would be you know, I'm, I'm putting some in on my property. Probably there's. One thing within the family that we have to wait to see if it's going to change that. Um, but, you know, once you have that kind of a, a cash flow going, you, it becomes a template. And there's a ton of people that kind of want to just get away and, like, mm-hmm. they don't want to live in a tiny house, but it's it's better than a hotel room. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that like the idea of camping. They want to say they're camping, but they don't want to camp. When they say glamping, they want a tiny house. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not a tent on a deck, right? Right. And then right. there's people that are there's a shitload of people that are like, I want to build me a tiny house. It's like, listen, scooter, maybe you should go live one for a week. Yep. Right, because yep. the, the Instagram world and the the hand hearts and stuff like that's that's, that's not nice. the reality, man. <laughs> there's whole documentaries have been made with people like, I freaking hate my tiny house, and they have like 
80 million followers on Instagram or whatever. And like yeah, in the yeah. end, like it was always bullshit and they finally admitted it. They right? admitted it. Right. So some people do love them forever. Some people don't. You well, know? I'm thinking, I'm thinking of catering. So, I mean, I've, I figured if I were to do it, you know, 10, 15 acres would probably be enough for, I want to build multiple campgrounds, but for the yeah. starting one, maybe only six or eight acres would do it. Four but, or five, especially if it's yeah. near, like if, if it borders state forest, Bingo. it's a million, right? Yeah. But I think I want to cater to the van lifers, man. Like you could pack in a lot of van lifers in one piece of ground. You know, I almost think maybe van life, teardrops, and then a handful of cabins to rent. There you uh, go. But like, I think van lifers and, and, and teardrop, like no campers totaling more than maybe 12 feet in length or something. Sure. Right? Sure. And, and, I think, and of, think of the infrastructure. Is, it doesn't have to be much, right? Cause those exactly. guys really all the time, right? But if you right. put in, you put in enough power. And you put a bank of washers and dryers in mm-hmm. and a shower like in a, house, a steel and a frame shower. building and a shower house and stuff like that. So yep. it's like common utility usage. Right. Then that's like, that's great. But just hip camp it or some shit like that. Cause we've had this yep. discussion a lot yep. on air. Like if you do that all privately and then you get somebody, they start claiming to be a tenant, even yeah, in yeah. that scenario. Right. But if they're through any kind of like that type of agency, then if you have a problem and you're like, you need to leave, and you call like the sheriff or whatever, they will grab them by the neck and throw them over the fence. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to use that, but there's a point like, well, since if I do it, he's going to come take me to jail for throwing you off my own property. Guess what? So I look at like the fee those guys get. That's like an insurance policy. And maybe mm-hmm. somebody will build one on lightning or some shit that's yeah, here to yeah. fear, right? Right. You know, and then, then we'll have the same ability. Like he ran it through this app, get his ass out of here. Whatever. And the beauty is, like, I've talked to people that, like, Brian from Washington State, uh, Scrambling is his handle online. He was part of the Goose Crew at times. He's the one that told me this because he ended up, like, he was renting his garage out of his one house. Mm-hmm. And it took, like, four months to get rid of this guy that was a problem. And he's like, never again. So that's he does like, everything that's... through Hip Camp or Airbnb now. That's miserable. You're just, yeah. you're just having to tolerate somebody that you want gone. Yeah. God, I mean, it would take every bit of self control not to just. Shoot the asshole, right? He's a better man than me because I would have went to jail. <laughs> yeah, right. I would have went to jail. Like you might be staying here, but you're, both of your arms are going to be broke, and I don't know how well you're going to be walking. Yeah, you might right? be missing I, all of your teeth by the time you leave. Uh, I've got this new Dewalt power trimmer. Like fingers can <laughs> come off. Like <laughs> I got to get a video. Up. Anyway, terrible. let's go ahead remind people again your website, your uh-huh. podcast, all that stuff. Yeah, so my website is easypeasygardens.com. Um, the podcast is on there, but you can also find it, you know, on any, I guess it's on the index. So just about any podcatcher, you can get it. Um, easy peasy gardens on Instagram. That's my professional Instagram. But if you want to see me talk, you know, a little more, um, bluntly and less professionally, you can go to Mike underscore the underscore polymath. And I don't hold back up there, man. All I, right. you know, I, I let it all out. Like no, no hesitation. I always try to be able to stand behind what I say. I don't, I'm not trying to be a dickhead, but I, when I see something that just don't make any goddamn sense, I'm going to tell everybody it doesn't make any goddamn sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, well, thank you for being with us today and let's not make it three years before you come back around. All right, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll be back for sure. I appreciate it. Well, that was a great discussion. I really appreciate you guys uh, 
giving us a listen today. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to remind you guys, we talked about MSP at the beginning, but there is a, a sale on discount code TROLL, TROLL, T-R-O-L-L, the TROLL discount. Runs until, I think it's the 7th of August, something like that. You can learn more at the survivalpodcast.com forward slash members, and your membership will pay for itself. You can also just use a simple little URL when you shop online, tspaz.com. You want to support my work, and you're like, I don't want to give that jerk any money out of pocket. All you do, you're going to shop online and buy something, go to tspaz.com, start there. If you start there and you end up buying anything, it will help you out, or help me out. It will help you out, too, because I give recommendations on stuff that I spent my own money on. If it's there, you can trust it. Today's item of the day is not a super high-end item, but is a super value. It's the E-Tech City 4-pack of lanterns, uh, these LED lanterns. These things end up costing about 7 bucks a piece. But read in the write-up what happens if you get a bad one. You, you, I, I don't even know. They must not have that many bad ones because you go out of business if you did. These are great. I have sold thousands of these at this point. I actually need to change the write-up because I said I think like a thousand. It's multi-thousands of these uh, for so that's like if it's three thousand, that's like twelve thousand of these lanterns I've sold uh, as an affiliate, and I have never had a complaint. All I've had are emails that say, "Jack, I got one DOA. I did what you said in the write-up, and the company replaced it." And I've had a couple that like. I did what you said in the write-up. The company replaced it, and I dicked around with it because I'm one of those tinkerer types, and I fixed it, and I got a free one. Don't do that on purpose. You'll ruin programs like this for others. But just knowing that they stand behind what they do, it's like I, earlier this week I had Anchor, and I consider them like a high, super high-quality value electronics brand. And E-Tech City, I consider them like just a value electronics brand. And depending on what you're looking for is where I would send you. They are, like, there's so much of this stuff that's made overseas, and it, this kind of product, we don't make it in America, so you can't buy American anyway. But what you're looking for is value for your money. And both of them have it in spades. Check this thing out. Again, if you are ever looking for something, and it's like some random Qualcomm, blah, 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 bland you've never heard of, and you see E-Tech sitting next to it, know this. I'm not guaranteeing you that everything they make is as good as these things, but if they screw it up, In my experience now, for three years of selling these things, they'll fix it. They'll fix it. With that, let's go ahead and say goodbye to you. Thanks for being with us today. Hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Tomorrow we will hear from the expert panel, and that will be exciting as always. And Friday we will have an, ex uh, a, an episode of Outback with Jack. gonna bail you out or just run you around they said you should have a house the american way a dollar down a dollar a month and you never have to pay there's a better way to do this let me show you a better way